Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Take, for example, Peter and I. It sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Liftoff by Bottle Rocket, an Ogilvy experience company. Hey, I'm Tony Dosat. And I'm Peter Clayman. This is interesting, Peter. This is not our first a crypto guest. And what we're doing, doing these thematic buckets of episodes, we're going to try to do different topics and themes and deep dive so we have a little more breadth and depth within each theme. And our guest today is the CEO and founder of Stack, a crypto investing platform designed to make modern finance approachable to teens. It's built at the cross-section of video game culture and financial education. Stack is reshaping an entire generation's approach to digital assets, NFTs, and blockchain tech. Please help us welcome Will Rush to the podcast. Will, what a pleasure. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. This is really some interesting stuff here. We could take it a million different ways. You could take crypto a million different ways. You could take you could take teen finance a million different ways but first i'd like to like just get behind the why you started this and go from there sounds wonderful um yeah i mean the the origin story of stack i think is pretty deeply embedded in kind of the, the will story in a way um when i was growing up i had um sort of like a juxtaposed growing up situation where my parents, I had a dad who was well-to-do and, you know, things were always easy and a mom who was sort of always struggling with their finances. Um, you know, and, and as a kid, you're a little naive to exactly what's behind the curtain for a lot of those reasons. But um, when I graduated college, I would sit on my mom's porch with her and we would walk through her expense you know, list. And we would talk about how we can help her get out of debt. And, um, you know, and what I realized as sort of a young adult was how common that story was across, you know, every household in America and beyond. Yeah. And so um, I worked in, I worked in finance for 13 years. Um, I've seen how the biggest players in finance approach investing, approach financial literacy, um, banking, et cetera. And in all that time, I think there's always been a burning question in my head that says, what about the 60% of people that never get started in investing at all? And how do you activate them? Because there is a compound interest world that we live in that every second of every day that they're not involved, they're missing out on money that makes them more money. And it makes the wealth gap grow bigger every single year. And, um, you know, I think stack is really built on that, that premise. Most recently I was working with a teen bank that 
was doing a lot of really wonderful things for teenagers. And what they had tapped into was when you start at the earliest life cycle of somebody who's forming the habits for the rest of their life and, you know, really focusing on financial habits, you can have them build good credit scores. You can teach them to save periodically. You can teach them the foundations of good financial habits that were rate for the next 40 years of their life and beyond. And so um, when I was working with them, the clear picture, and this is like 2019. So crypto was in one of those like moments in between the two booms where it was still mm. certainly highly relevant, but not completely booming at the time um, where t- teens were just searching for crypto NFTs, the, you know, the metaverse, all those things are kind of budding at that point um, much more than they were ever searching for stock or bank accounts. And so if you could attack that same problem, but do it with a native product that people really cared about, that's what Stack was built around, was digital assets first, dive in where teens are starting, but teach them the good, the bad, and everything in between. It's, it's interesting to me because why crypto amongst teens in 2019, right? I, I think we are all very familiar with like retail investing, the Robin Hood, GameStop, all over the news last year thing. But truly, Robinhood was enabled because we got to really making money on the spread, no commission trading. And there were many pressures that led to that moment where it was possible to have no commission trading on Vanguard, no commission trading across. These days, it's pretty hard to be competitive if you don't do no commission trading on the stock side, right? But that drove a lot of involvement for novice investors. What about cryptocurrency and teenagers is what drives that interest? Like why start there if someone's really that interested in saving? Yeah, well, I actually think it's just naturally how the cruise ship moves. I think that people really haven't created teen first products. And I mean a product that a teenager is their primary user um, up until like five years ago. And that was built on just the retail access they were talking about, right? The Wall Street bets of the world and now you can buy $1 of Amazon stock and you can do it in a second. And that has done amazing things for access to the financial market. What I don't think has come along as quickly is the education that goes with it. And so you see a lot of people naturally on their phones using social media as their financial advisor. Um, and I think inherently there is a lot of catch up to do on financial education. So when companies started building teen first products, the first place they naturally went was very traditional fiat products, things like banking, things like stocks, equity, bonds. That's what Venmo's for. I mean, it's true. So I I think that there is this very um, slow adoption to add crypto to any of those other products, just like why Charles Schwab or E-Trade or anybody else is very slow to move in that direction as well. Um, And it's why... Nobody's taking Coinbase's market share. So being true crypto first is really going after where the demand is. Um, and we sense that demand in a million different platforms. And we would run A-B tests. We would send an A-B test with the same picture, the same words, change one word, stock and crypto. We would get five times the engagement from a teenager mm. on the crypto version. And so it was super, super clear that there was a lot more zeitgeist excitement behind crypto than there ever would be before. Do you think think that that is because, and I don't know if you know 
the route from that data or not. But do you think that part of it is because of that crypto could get me stupid freaking rich fast mentality <laughs> that it seems like that generation more so than any are trying to plug into. I want to be famous. I want to have like, you know, McLarens when I'm 19, all that. Is that part of it you think in that mentality? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I think the excitement, I think that crypto kind of has, like I always say, has a brand that's similar to Apple in the eighties. It's like fighting the big, bad windows computer. <laughs> it's the rebel on the block. Um, your parents think, don't like it. They, they don't exactly. see the value in it. You don't get it, dad. It's the <laughs> yeah. internet. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's so funny about that. So we actually, we've been uh, running a study for the last nine months where we actually use our parent population. And we send them a survey and it's about what habits they had before they were 18 years old. And if they did certain things that affected their long-term net worth and very unintended, we got this group that was born between 1975 and 1985 when early internet adoption was right around when they were in high school or college. And the group that ended up accessing the internet in the nineties, when you could make a conscious decision to be an early adopter or not, if they accessed before they were 18 years old, they had a 13 times higher net worth by the time they were 45. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Makes total sense. It makes total sense, right? Maybe they got tech jobs. Maybe, you know, they went and went to market opportunity, which I I did. Bought pets.com, you know, (laughs) right. I mean, there, um, I think there's a story in there that informs a lot of what we're doing with Web3 right now. You have, if you think of Web3, the metaverse, crypto, all these things as the internet of our time, and you can have, you can help mass access and mass education, then you can have an effect on financial habits. Yeah. I think potentially what you have here is interesting because I think teens aren't scared of crypto. And I think adults are. I say adults. Okay. I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm an adult. I'm not that scared of crypto. Like, okay, I'm not going to say 16% boomers. of Americans own crypto. So that's becoming a less and less. It's almost, we're very close. Because what is it? 30% of Americans own some form of stock or something along those lines. So we're actually like pretty close to a breakout moment when it comes to crypto. Ooh, interesting. Oh, I totally agree. I think that the next phase of adoption, I actually think that crypto is in a lot of portfolios at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Known or unknown, right? Because for a lot of people, you don't even know it's in your portfolio. For sure. It's the passive investors of the world that, you know, there's a there's mutual funds out there that are adding crypto to the the highly volatile part of their portfolio because they're like, hey, what the heck? Let's capture some, some upside here. Um, so yeah, I think the next phase of adoption actually is more in the banking function. If crypto actually starts to be used to buy things, to do smart contracts for B2B payments, to do things like that, that's where the Mm. movement is going to be exponential. Um, Because I do think that there is pretty wide adoption just from an investment perspective. And and the other crazy stat that I always point to is under 25-year-olds, so 18 to 25-year-olds, they own 1.2 times the crypto to stock meaning they own 1.2 times more crypto than stock. Their mm. portfolio is more heavily weighted mm. in crypto. And so I think that's a sign in itself. Well, Tony, before you go where you're going to go, I, yeah, I want to stay on financial literacy for a second because I think 
quite enlightening moment for me. Because you're a teen. You know, Will. Yeah, because I'm a teen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had made smarter investment decisions. Man, I could have had 10, 12 years of compound interest behind me. I got Holy my kids moly. in crypto right now. And they're four and yeah. five. Stock market doubles in valuation. They got to pay for me when I'm years. drooling. Wearing a diaper. Yeah. Yeah. Right, sorry, so I guess that that gets the question, right? Well, which is we know a lot more about stock market performance based on historicals. We have some notion of how the market will go up. We have some, especially if you're like in a three portfolio strategy or something like where you're doing, and for everybody that doesn't know, means majority index funds. You're not picking individual stocks. So in that situation, there's still so many hurdles. So for example, like if you look at Germany, the percentage of people who own stock, just stock in Germany is so low versus the United States. So now you're kind of doubling that issue once again. You're saying, hey, as an individual who's a teen, who doesn't have any experience, not only should you invest your money, which is the first hurdle, right? But you also should invest your money in crypto. And as part of that, you're going to have to play a single pick strategy because there aren't really good ETFs yet. I mean, you can buy into some ETFs, but it's really complicated. And you're not like, so is it more the mechanism you're trying to drive of just being aware, watching, learning what a put in a call is, what upside looks like, buy orders, or are you really trying to do the wealth generation as crypto is the opportunity? Does that make sense? Like, are you tracking on the question? I am. I'm tracking the question. There is, there's two majority populations of investors. And then there's this middle ground that I want to talk about. There is an investor who has a 401k or a pension or something in the market, but they very, very passively invest and probably do almost no hands-on investing. And then there's a second investor that's on Wall Street Bets that is active, that is maybe looking at their investing app at least weekly and is always sort of priding themselves on their ability to keep an active portfolio. What happens very, very rarely is somebody in between those who says, I'm going to go put my money in the S&P 500 index. And I'm periodically going to put money in some other maybe companies that I like and appreciate. And what all of the performance history shows is that when somebody is in this last bucket where they, you know, are active investing and they're on Wall Street bets and owning their portfolio, they don't outperform either of the other two buckets consistently. 94% of actively managed funds don't outperform the index. And then if you look over a 10-year period, the 6% of funds that do, they're never the same 6%. Right. And so it's, it's literally the, that knowledge is what we're trying to do. Now we're doing it with digital assets, of course. And I think that's a demand lever. But before I dive in there, I think the most important thing, the most important statement on top of everything we do at Stack and everything that we build is just trying to get people involved and get involved by understanding because the number one reason they don't get involved is because of fear, because of complexity that doesn't actually exist. Because you could go, it doesn't take any knowledge to go put money in the S&P 500 index and have it sit there for 10 years. And so if you could turn, like you were talking about 30 some investors that actually do invest, the other 70% that don't, if you could activate them, that is the mission. And so you start young when people aren't afraid of new things. You start with the thing that, that has the most excitement and zeitgeist behind it, which is digital assets. Oh, it's, it's, a pop, it's take, like the adoption lever to get everybody. Exactly. It's, you can talk that you have it, 
which makes you willing to talk about it, which starts having conversations so you can learn. That's exactly it. Now that's, <laughs> that, that's some social engineering right there. <laughs> huh. I mean, you start at the finish line because you know where teenagers are searching. You know what they're excited about. But you can get this group that isn't inherently going to get involved in the first place involved because of that excitement. Because you can teach them that investing in Bitcoin and having it sit there for the next 10 years is an okay strategy and probably a more fruitful strategy. Man, I tell you what, talk about fruitful. That's what I, that is my new mission is invest in crypto and act like it doesn't exist. And then just, you know, continuously a little bit every week. I'm not going to ride the lows and escape during the highs. I'm just going to just consistently do it. And it's out of, sight, cost out of mind. I'm also yep. mining right now. Did I tell you I'm mining, Peter? Ah, uh, well, Tony, you live in like Good a high you. electricity cost state. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mining. Do, do y'all know that we had like three milk cases in 2013, 2014 in our college dorm room that were mining. And every we had a three person operation. One person was tech. One person was market research. And one person was trading. And every day we would point them to different coins and then day trade them. That was like sophomore, junior year of college. And then I, you know, I made some poor decisions not staying in that game because then came the first winter and it was like, (laughs) oh, well, this shit was stupid. (laughs) Because I've I've gotten burned so much over the years because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pull out now. Great. Perfect. And then it's like, why didn't I wait? So now it's out of sight, out of mind. It doesn't exist to me. You know, this is exactly it. Right. And everybody sees their portfolio go red. And that is part of learning about the market long term. Mm. And all of us wish that our first investing experience that went poorly didn't influence the next investing experience that we had. Right. And so actually, and this is a big part of why you start young and you start with twenty dollars, because when people mistake would make mistakes with twenty dollars in their account as a 16 year old. It means that when they have $2,000 in their account as a, you know, maybe freshly minted young adult professional making their own money, they will make better decisions. Wow. And so that. So you're trying to track like lifetime performance based on early education. That would be your cohort, right? Those who start investing 14 to 18 would outperform over a 30 year span versus those who have their first investing experiences in a passively managed fund my confidence that that will be the case is extremely high. And you can use gamification, right? Because the beauty of crypto is you have so much div- infinite divisibility. It's what's it it's matter. The you can, it's the best. Okay. Cause even there, like we were talking about stocks and divisibility, you do have a lower limit for divisibility because there is still cost to trade that you have clearing house. It's, but here, if you wanted to trade one, one hundredth of a cent, it's still a positive learning experience. There's some market dynamics, somewhat unknown to most people in the world. I would say almost all people in the world, but it's still, you experience the highs you experience. Exactly. Wow. Are you taking any investment into uh stack? Cause Peter and I are <laughs> very interested. <laughs> uh, well, no, actually. So that. is it in beta right now? What stage are you at? Yeah, so uh, we've been very, very thoughtful. So when you're winning a teen and a parent, the one thing that I know well firsthand is that you have one strike until you're out. 
And so you have to do everything the right way and you have to do it from day one. And so what that means is even though we are pure crypto, we need to be incredibly secure. We need to be thinking about both a teen and a parent user at all times because you have to win a parent wallet, right? Because those are who's funding the account. And then you also have to win teen engagement. And I think what we've seen with all of the under 18 products that are out there right now is a fantastic job of winning parent wallets. But what no one has really done, I think, hyper-effectively is winning teen engagement. And that's why we're crypto first. That's why when we talk about gamification and social features and all those other things, we are going to lean in incredibly hard because we know that if we can just teach these fundamentals that we're talking about, like long-term holding, periodic savings, diversification, but we can teach it in a fun way, that's how you crack the code. Because if... (laughs) I, I even find like millennials are, are a little bit unforgiving for digital experiences, but the teenage group, you get it wrong at the beginning, you're dead. They, they will never totally. forgive you and then you'll, yes. you'll never be on their radar again. Uh, but um, <laughs> okay, gosh, we could talk forever, but before we get into the two final sections here, I want everyone to go to trystack.io. That's the website, T-R-Y-S-T-A-C-K dot I-O. And, um, you know, can they connect with you on uh, LinkedIn? We can put that in the show notes, Will Rush. Absolutely. Feel free to connect me on LinkedIn. I know there may be some parents out there listening. And I think to the parent crowd, there's two cool opportunities. One is, of course, join our wait list on the website to get early access to the app. Um, We're going to go live in April, so next month. Oh, wow. And that will only be accessible through the waitlist at first, and then we'll open up to the broader population. Um, number two, though, is we have a really cool, very, very early young brand ambassador program. And what that program is, is it's a way to be your high school or college rep for Stack, where you join a, a Discord community of other college or high school students. And we put on monthly events. We had some really, really cool speakers come in. You get some resume building for college, for other internships, and it is very low stakes. You can bring us zero customers. You can, you know, just talk to your friends about Bitcoin very informally, whatever it is we want to be a part of. But really what we're trying to collect is just a community of kids who care about the space, um, who want to be the conversation leaders of Web3 in their high schools or colleges. And so that program, um, again, it's in its early stages, but feel free to fill out the interest form that's also on our website i love this yeah you should get some grants for this stuff if you gave every kid twenty dollars to invest just to learn about the mechanisms i do think we definitely achieve roi in the long run well that being said we have to be cautious we can't get too many people investing all the time or else you're not going to pour all your income into spending and that's going to totally tank gdp growth the country i don't know it's conundrum it is. I mean, it's tricky. I think that there is a, a level of adoption of investing that every single human being in the world should be a part of it. Now, the dollar value can obviously be different. I am completely agnostic. And this is why our platform is built the way it's built. We're a subscription fee platform. So we're agnostic to how much you trade, how often you trade, and what value you trade. And so that makes us inherently different than the Robin Hoods of the world that want you to I trade every that. day in high volumes in very high amounts where you can have $20 in your stock account and that's good with me. 
You know, it's really about learning. It's really about being on a platform and understanding how this world works. Dig it. Well, we have to get into our last two sections. The first is the lightning round. Now, to describe the lightning round is to say that we're going to ask you a question. We'll volley back and forth. Peter, then me, then Peter. And you can only respond with one word. And we can't unpack it. It's just a word. Okay. Peter, go ahead. I'll start. Okay. When you think about your investing strategy today, how would you define it? Risk-seeking. There's a hyphen there. That counts. (laughs) What is one lesson you've learned from founding Stack? Hmm. Listening. Oh. Peter, finish it out. Hardest part about marketing to a teen audience. TikTok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> TikTok. Oh, man. Peter, okay, we got so to do another TikTok question. episode. We have to do another TikTok We got to do another TikTok. Right. I'm still right on it. Let's just be clear. All the data still points the same way, but no one cares. It's okay. Whatever. We'll talk about this later. Um, so last question. We ask every guest this question. Uh, and this is not a one-word answer. Feel free to unpack it. The question is this. What non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Wow, that's a fantastic question. Um, can, it, can it be a live thing? Yeah. Can it be my dog? As I'm petting my dog right now? (laughs) I'd say it's probably my dog. I think that my dog um, entered a new phase of life for me. I think that taking care of another being and, you know, getting joy out of my relationship with my dog. I mean, usually the best part of my day is going and throwing the ball with my dog at at the park. Um, And so I think, like... It makes you a little bit, you know, higher in the humility section, I think, too, and and empathy and just caring for something. So I'd probably pick. What kind of dog is it and what's the dog's name? His name is Sonny. He's a golden retriever. Um, He's actually a COVID dog. So he's like two years old now, but he's uh, he's a good he's a good boy. Sonny side up. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a mainly golden, but he's got some doodle in him. And I've got a multi-poo. The big boy is Mud, and the little one is Luke. Peter, what oh, you got? Luke. Let's finish it out with some... I got, yeah, I got a, a Rhodesian Ridgeback. He's massive. His name is Choby. He's wild. Oh, man. Does, does he need a lot of exercise? Yes. Yes. He's quite yeah. insane. Yeah. 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 If you don't... He really needs to work. If you don't finish on talking about the joys that a dog can bring, how are you even going to finish a podcast? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everybody... Great. Tristack.io. Will Rush, thank you so much. You're the man. This has been Thanks great. Thanks for having us, guys. It was, it was awesome. <laughs>